Welcome to the end of the year Canada's Pinball Podcast New Year's Eve special show. I am so excited for you to listen to this show. Mr. Ben Heck joins Canada's Pinball Podcast because the theme of this show is it's been one heck of a year. And it has, and it has. And I want to thank all of you who have put up with Canada's Pinball Podcast for one more year. The only pinball podcast where people are trying to get me fired. They're trying to ruin my career. They're trying to ruin my life. They want to keep this show from being on the airwaves, which means one thing. I must be doing something right if they want to get this show off the airwaves, but we're not going anywhere. And I want to raise a glass to all of you out there who listen to Canada's Pinball Podcast, everyone out there who listens to every single show, I want to say from the bottom of my heart, you're the reason why I do this show. You are the reason why I pick up this mic once a week and I try to find the most captivating and entertaining way to deliver to you what is going on in the pinball world. I know I don't get to interview the pinball royalty of the world, but I'm telling you this right now from the bottom of my heart. I would rather speak to you and tell you exactly how I feel about stuff than try and sugarcoat my feelings simply because I want to get people onto this show. Because you know, you listen to this show, we still do great interviews, we still get great guests on this show, and Ben Heck is one of the greatest guests you can have on a pinball show, and you're going to love this episode. I love this interview with Ben Heck in which we talk about his new game, we talk about the best machines of 2020. I also want to thank each and every one of you out there who hangs out with me on Facebook Live. If you are not a friend of Canada's Pinball Podcast on Facebook, you should be because a few times a week, I go on Facebook Live and we just hang out and we talk about pinball and we talk about other stuff going on and it is a super awesome time and I enjoy so much of that connection with all of you out there who do that. We do it every Saturday morning and we do it throughout the week because this has been a really rough year for me. It's been a rough year for a lot of you. I did not expect to be quarantined basically in a one-bedroom apartment in New York City. I have a baby on the way. I'm super excited to have my firstborn enter this crazy world of ours. But it's been hard. And I mean this when I say this. The most devastating thing that happened to me this year was when people tried to get this show off the airwaves. And they tried to ruin the connection that I have with so many of you. Because I tell my beautiful wife Brenda all the time, the reason I do this show, the reason I love it, is for the personal connections and friendships I've made in this hobby. And that is always the most valuable thing in this entire industry. I'm going to tell you this right now. I believe so many of these games are pretty mediocre. But what's not mediocre is the friendships and the bonds I've made through this hobby. And that's what pinball does. It brings us together. And yes, I'm always rooting for magical games. I am always rooting for more magic under the glass and more worlds under that glass. I'm always rooting for these games to deliver us pinball moments that will blow us away. That's what we deserve. For the amount of money we spend, we deserve to have that kind of experience when we play these pinball machines. And I don't care if that means that designer won't join my show or that guy won't talk to me because I said his art sucks or this guy won't come on. I don't care. I don't care. We are going to keep pushing the only agenda this show has, which is to get the most magical pinball machines into your homes and into your locations, because that is what we deserve as the pinball buying community. And I do want to say thank you. It's the end of the year. I do want to say thank you to all the men and women out there who are part of these pinball companies that make these products for us to choose from. And I mean that. 
And I want to thank them especially this year because most of them had to go into work and do something that wasn't the safest. During a COVID pandemic, it was not the safest to go into these companies and build these machines. And so many of those men and women, you don't know their names. You don't. You don't know all the people at Stern. They have hundreds of people there. There are so many people at Jersey Jack Pinball, you don't know who they are. We always give thanks and praise to the designers and the artists and the coders, but they are just the tip of the iceberg. There are so many people. There's an army of people out there that I want to say thank you for all the hard work you've done this year. I mean that. And even if I might say something positive or negative about your product, it's a product. We're going to review it. We're going to tell you how we feel about it, but without you and without your work, none of us, none of us would be enjoying this hobby the way we do it. I want to thank all my friends that create the entertaining content that's out in the world. I mean, everyone is spoiled right now who comes into the pinball hobby. They have so much awesome content to choose from. When I first picked up this mic four and a half something years ago, there weren't that many shows. There wasn't that much to listen to. Now there is so much. And that's another reason why it's so meaningful to me when I see the amount of people that are still checking out Canadian Pinball Podcast. We've never changed the format. It's still just me solo on the mic for the most part talking about pinball. And that is why I want to say thank you to everybody out there who is going to vote for Canadian Pinball Podcast in the Twippies. Voting opens up tomorrow, January 1st. And I know people debate on whether or not you should ask for votes. And I want to say this. Every vote I get does mean a lot to me because I work really hard to create this show. But most importantly, a vote for Canada's Pinball Podcast is a vote for you. It's a vote for the fans who want to say something to the industry. We talk about industry awards. Well, here's the message that a Canada vote sends, that we believe that we should have a voice that isn't always cheerleading everything that happens in this industry, that we believe someone should speak up for the ridiculously high prices of all these games, that if we're going to spend $1,000 on a topper, it should come with what looks like $1,000 worth of materials. And that's what a vote for Canada's Pinball Podcast is. But ultimately, I hope you vote for the show for just one simple reason. I hope you find this the most entertaining and enjoyable pinball podcast in the world. And chances are, if you're listening to this right now, you agree. Everybody, have a very happy and healthy New Year's. I really mean that to a better 2021 for all of us. May 2021 bring us all together. I can't wait till I see all of you at pinball shows again in 2021. And it's going to get better. It is going to get better. So please enjoy this amazing chat with Mr. Ben Heck because it has been one heck of a year. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's been one heck of a year, and I thought what better way to do an end-of-the-year show than to bring back Mr. Ben Heck to the show. Ben, welcome to Canada's Pinball Podcast. So because it's been one heck of a year? That's it. You bring me... Wouldn't it be one more hell of a year, but in a negative connotation? Ben Hellendorn. So, Ben, here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about what we think were the most impressive pinball releases of the year. And we're going to use the twippy voting sort of categories as our guide. But before we do that, Ben, I want to check in with you and just see what your thoughts are on some of the recent things that have happened in pinball. How's that sound? Yeah, sure. Let's start with Deep Root. So are you surprised to see people pre-ordering Deep Root? Not really. A lot of them, a lot of people are probably, you know, new pinball fans. I mean, heck, even Robert is like that, you know. Uh, you know <laughs> he, he wasn't even into pinball back when John started Zidware. So it's something shiny, you know, um, people go for it. Now, over the years, we've seen this story before where a new company has a new product 
and manufacturing is still the most important thing. And you're someone who's a, a maker, a builder, someone who understands what it takes to make a machine and get it to market. Do you feel confident these guys are going to get this machine to market by March? Is that too aggressive for them? That's when they're going to start shipping? That's what they said. I'm... Well, they might get some out the door. I mean, I don't think they're going to... How many have they sold? Like 200, allegedly? Or... Around there. Okay. I don't think they're going to be able to get them all done in March. I I could very easily see, in it, see it taking longer. Honestly, and like, if you're going to make anything more than like 10 or 20 games, you might as well be making 1,000 games. Why is that? Well, you have to get a line set up. You know, it, you can't just have people working in stations, you know? And you have to, you know, you have to have an assembly line and have all the parts lined up. And, and if you want to do it with any expediency at all, right? Right. So, I mean, I mean, 200s or 300, is, it's a pretty good run. I just wonder if they're going to be spooled up in time. That's, I know I've mentioned that on the, on the topic as well. But, and it's not just like, oh, we're going to hire the people, but, you know, are the people experienced? How many uh, mistakes do they make? How many errors do you have? How many times do they drop something under the play field and you have to rebuild the whole game? Um, I mean, I was down at Spooky a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about boards and whatnot. And most of it was, I mean, this isn't really nothing against the workers, but most of it was, okay, how do we resolve this when someone screws it up? I mean, a lot of it was like basically just making it as simple as possible for the manufacturers. And, you know, Spooky's been doing it for years now. It's a right. pretty big challenge. And the way they're doing it is they are going to see how many Raza orders they get by December 30th. And that's the cutoff mm -hmm. date, which is today, I believe. And then... Ultimately, only if you're in Australia, right? <laughs> and ostensibly, then Robert probably is taking that number and ordering parts to build that many games. And he said no more than 300. Like, how long would it take for a company to order specialized parts for a game? Um, I would say they would probably already have to have to have them ordered now. I know like uh, like P-Rock like comes from China. I want to say the lead time on that for larger orders is something like four months. I think, I, I don't know, but I think they're still using John's ripoff of P-Rock that was made by that um, Captain Nemo guy. I'm sure that's why, that's probably the secret reason why Jerry doesn't want anything to do with them. Right. Well, how many custom mechs are in that game? They've got like the World Cup soccer target and that. They got the pin bar, which is, they probably yeah. have ordered a bunch of those because that's in every single game moving forward for Deep Root. Right, you wouldn't have to burn the stock if you didn't sell enough for uh, Raza. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Like, yeah, you could order multiples of the cabinet. I'm just trying to think. I, I'd i honestly be surprised if they... I mean, they might trickle some out the door in March, but have they hired production? Like, you know, have they hired manufacturing professionals or production experts or anything like that? Yeah, that was the question I was going to ask you is, being at a company when you were at Spooky at the very beginning, how long does it take to train people, get the line tooled up? Is that something that takes a few weeks? Is it something that takes a month before you feel good about it? Well, you know, Spooky kind of did it by their bootstraps, you know, so to speak, which, because they didn't have any money. Well, they had very little money. And, but back then... America's Most Haunted sold slowly, but that was okay because they couldn't build them fast either. You know, if we, if we would have sold 300 units right off the bat, we would have been in the same boat as, like, uh, the Big Lebowski people, right? Or Predator, even though you were very, um, you know, you were very Nostradamus-like when you said, look at this skull on the kitchen counter. This guy doesn't have the license. Nobody listened. <laughs> at least we saw a skull on a counter. We haven't seen anything over at Deep Root in terms of their production line. Anything. Yeah, and that's the most important thing. And apparently it's a patented secret. It's like, oh, I mean, I don't know. I, I, he, I, I get the impression with Deep Root that they think they're, you know, Steve Jobs or Apple. 
which everybody wants to say. So what does he also think he's Henry Ford? Uh, I mean, how can you really, as some people have said, how do you really innovate screwing wood or screwing things into wood, right? Right. I mean, they might have, you know, maybe they have more modular connectors, but that actually has its own set of problems. Uh, that's what Andrew Highway tried. Like those things, they can actually fail faster than uh, solder joints. Like they can come loose or they can, you know, become detached in shipping. When he had that demo video, I remember where he was showing the cabinet. I think the cabinet's really cool, right? Yeah, it looks great. The game looks great. The game, like, let's face it. John is doing once again what John always does. He gets people to give money because of how sexy the games look. Yeah, I mean, again, obviously he pissed them off too much. But American Pinball could have kept him on as a, you know, like an art director. And he would have excelled in that role. But, of course, you know. You, they were too pissed at him to do that. And, you know, that would be a good role for him. I just, there's a lot of things I see with Deep Root where it just seems like he's doing a lot more than that. Even like Octo Manufacturing. I mean, that's just John pulling words out of his butt. Robert said that was a joke. He said there is quad manufacturing, and that means that they're going to have four different stations within the company where four different components are made. So, like a, the wood over here, the electronics over here, the mechs over here. So, he was making a joke. I think the thing is, with so much hyperbole, no one knows what's a joke and what's serious. All they want is a game to come out. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you even need that big of a line. Like, if anything, like, again, I think about Spooky, which is probably the closest in terms of volume right now because, because you know, you got Stern, then you got CGC slash JJP, probably about the same. And a lot of it is just where you store things. Like, you know, like, you know, where you put all the games, where you stage the game. Spooky's already talking about building on again, for instance. You know, as far as the actual playfield construction, that doesn't necessarily take a lot of room, but you still have to have a pipeline for it. Like, oh, because that's the thing. If you have one part missing, you can't make the game, right? And right. then it's like this traffic jam of all, and it's not like these little iPads or cell phones, like this traffic jam of these huge cabinets trying to come in the door. And, you know, if you're missing something to put them out the door, you're going to be in trouble. Even if they're like, okay, let's see. Oh, we're going to sell 100. We're going to sell 200. We're going to sell 300. We'll find out how many we're going to sell. And then we can get our orders in and also scale for manufacturing. But even then, you'd think they would have to be ordering stuff already. Right. People have forgotten when I interviewed them on my show, they said any orders of our games will be shipped to customers within two weeks. And someone needs to go back and pull all of my sound clips from those interviews <laughs> and, and hold them accountable to some of those promises. But I mean, Stern, Stern doesn't even doesn't even do that. I mean, the distributors might. No, there's no point in, in actually setting a finite date because then you're, you're never delayed if you don't put a date out into the world. So <laughs> speaking of games, how is your game coming along, Ben? I know you were looking for an illustrator. Have you found your artist yet i think i know who they're going to use yes and it's being uh, put into cad right now and i think they're started they have the first toy done i think they're, they've started on the next i'm actually probably going to head down there in a few weeks and talk with the mechanical designer on some stuff so it is in progress yes okay is david thiel providing any music for your game i think he might help out i i'm not sure yet i know he's freelance that's why i know he doesn't he's not beholden to uh <clears throat> Okay. Oh, by the way, I should say, maybe if I forget this for the Twippies, I think you should get Best Vocabulary Award for the Twippies. <laughs> You're being facetious. So let me ask you, <laughs> let, me, let me ask you, I, yesterday I said, I had to change it. I said fondue instead of fondant. 
in terms of what you pull over a cake to decorate it. Yeah, that's fondant. Yeah, it's not fondue. Man, the world would be so much better, though, if we poured fondue on top of cake. Uh, but I always make fun of, of my misuse of words every once in a while. So let me ask you a question. Do you feel confident your game is slated for 2021, or is it 2022 at this point? Oh, gosh. I could see it slipping into 2022. Okay. Why do you feel that way? Well, it just it took them a while to get the license nailed down. And I know they've started working on the on the play field and whatnot. Uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really matter to me. I can I can be patient. I've already waited like two years. I think it was supposed to, yeah, it was supposed to come out in 2018. So, you know, I'll just do other things in the meantime. It's not a big deal. So how does it work? How do you come into this process? So they're doing stuff. What are you doing right now on the game? Well, I did a lot of it. I'm basically working with... Uh, Pete to try to, you know, basically to get the mechs done and whatnot. But, you know, he's an old school Williams engineer guy. So obviously he's going to do a better job than I, I did. So, you know, I, I basically did the concepts for the mechs. Although, uh, yeah, I think we have to do, we have to tweak a few of the things. Like it's like, oh, you know, because of our cabinet, we can't fit this much behind the backboard. Oh, okay. So we'll move it this far forward. But in order to do that, we have to make sure the shot is still smooth. Well, since we did that, we have to move this other thing. And, you know, that, that kind of stuff happens. But, you know, I'm completely open to it. You know, open to like other people's suggestions as long as, you know, as long as they're pretty decent. Because obviously, you know, most of them have more experience than I do. Right. Uh, yeah. Just so long as, you know, the toys. I mean, one of the toys I am, you know, I think it, you know, we'll, just, we'll have to, you know, run it a million times and see if it's it's reliable. But I my goal is to have it be a very mechanically satisfying game on the play field. Okay. Now, this is a collaboration between CGC and Spooky. How does that work? Like, who's doing the work right now? Where's the work happening? Uh, right now, it mostly is at CGC. And most of it is Pete, who's the contract engineer. He's the one working on it at the moment. As I mentioned, I'm planning to head down there in a few weeks. Because I don't think I don't think he actually, because I was talking to him, I didn't realize he wasn't at CGC itself. And I'm like, oh, Doug should have this mech or this foam core mock-up. He's like, oh, I actually work from home. I don't have that. I'm like, oh, okay. So, But actually, when I was Spooky last week, up in their uh, up in their loft of doom, we found some of the original foam core mock-ups. So they're they're in the back of my car. So I'll probably just oh, it's starting to snow. I'll probably just take those down when the time comes. I know they, they're still. I think they're switching their main CPU core again. I don't want to talk about it too much, but at some point I will have to be brought up to speed with their operating system because I am going to be coding my own game because that was one of the things people liked the most about America's Most Haunted was the code. I thought they loved the artwork the most. You know, you know, <laughs> it could be worse. I mean, it's Oktoberfest is worse. My vocabulary or the artwork on America's Most Haunted. No, but but Ben, question, are you next in the roster after what most likely will be Cactus Canyon or are you the game after the next game? I think I'm the game after the game. Okay. I believe, yeah, it's, a, it's another remake and then I pretty sure it's an original title uh, or i'm sorry an, a, a license not a remake and then it would be mine okay but i don't know i i have enough crap to do i mean i'm not like i'm not like a designer who like just has to work endlessly i mean whatever i made enough money let me ask you a question about the theme I, are you happy with the theme and are you happy with the integration with the theme so do you feel like you're, you're gonna get the the right amount of assets to make this theme come to life hmm um there, well, the assets can be very limiting. There are some licenses where they'll give you the whole thing. They'll give you all the um, all the clips, the entire movie. And then there's some licenses like this one where I have to go through and watch the uh, master, you know, the master, you know, the time code that starts at one hour, that, that whole thing, mm -hmm. and then pick out a certain amount of time. Uh, yeah, but the thing is, I'm not really too worried about that. I'm not thinking about the screen that much. 
And I also have an idea of how to, ex- well, not extend the footage, but how to supplement it. Because I, th- I believe we're going with a widescreen, kind of like the bigger, the fancy version of like Monster Bash, but slightly taller. Because you know how they use the LCD to light up the uh, Williams logo or wherever that usually is, you know? Yep. So the LCD is taller than you can see. So I believe for my game and probably the other one as well, like after the remake, they're going to basically open up the aperture a little vertically, which is cool because... I like that aspect ratio. I mean, it's kind of like what Deep Root has, except for it'd be taller. Right. I think that's more interesting than like having a big, you know, 16 by 9 square, well, rectangle in your back box. Well, I just think it's exciting, Ben, that you are saying that you want more of the game and more of the theme to come to life physically under the glass versus just on the screen. Do you think that is something that when you look at a lot of games today, there's way too much emphasis on the screen and not as much emphasis on what's physically on the game? Like I was thinking about that with Guns N' Roses, obviously the new one, not the Data East one. You know, there's lots of stuff on the screen, but the play field is so lively, you don't even really need to look at it. The play field, even though there aren't really any toys per se, that, you know, interact with the ball, it's still, you can get all of your enjoyment from there, right? Absolutely. And I think I think sometimes, like, when you pull more stuff out of the game, and I know, I think Alice Cooper had an issue with this, is like, oh, we gotta, you know, we gotta make the magic happen on the screen. And, you know, I mean, they did a really great, great job with the animation there. Black Knight was the same thing. But, I don't know, it's a pinball machine, right? I think that's the problem. You have all these ancient designers, you know, who are all, you know, they're, they're all old. And they think, oh, what do kids like? Oh, they like cell phones, right? <laughs> well, we'll make the pin bar. But they, what they don't realize is young people on location, they walk up to a pinball machine and enjoy it because it isn't a, a screen. You're right. It's like, oh, look at this cool throwback thing. It's a mechanical game under glass. This is cool. Right. And I, I don't think the old people realize that. They, they're, trying to, they're trying to make pinball into something they think the kids want, but where kids like pinball because it's something that it's not what they're used to. Right. It's the same reason they're obsessed with VCRs and tape recorders, just like our parents were obsessed with cowboys. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I've always felt like there's too much emphasis on the screen. And when I talked to Ryan, who's making the Sonic the Hedgehog machine, I think he said something very, very important. He said, when you're a kid, you walk up to a pinball machine and you just want to see something fun in the game and you want to interact with it with the ball in a very analog way. And so with your game, do you have one sort of main mech that is the highlight of your machine that people are going to be like, wow, what's that? Yeah. I I do, or I should say we do, because obviously it's going to take a team to make it happen. Because I want like the big dum-dum shot, as I like to call it, right? It's like you hit that, something happens, but it also has some negative feedback, but I guess you'll see when when it's made. Yeah, and then there's also, let me see. Yeah, there's also a few other things where the toys interact with the ball. You know, the the ball isn't really affecting the toy, you know, like the weight of it or it moving, but, you know, the mechanisms make it look like it is, right? Like, right. I think a pinball machine should be like a little Disney World under glass with a bunch of like tricks, you know? I agree. And, I That's all I want. I, I know I ask yeah. for a lot. I want that in every game and I want the game to have moments. Now, I've been talking a lot about this recently where pinball moments are where the magic lies. And you brought up a good point with GNR. It's not just that mechs equal moments. It's the overall experience of how a game makes you feel. And I think that matters more than score. And I think there's so much emphasis on scoring and multipliers and rule sets and not enough emphasis on pinball moments. How do you feel about that statement? Oh, I would agree. Definitely. I mean, it's like it's like a movie or a book. You know, if it's a form of art, really, the ultimate expression that you should receive from it is emotion. Right. 
Right. And like you get to like live and let die in GNR and it's just it's just I don't want to see it's like say it's like transcendent, but it's it's really cool. You're like you don't you don't care that there's just a static hat and a static skeleton because it feels alive. You're like I was like, oh my god, I'm a rock star. You know, like y- you feel awesome when you're playing it, and you're like, oh, I got to keep playing because I got to see what it does next. I got to get through the song. You know, it's very Guitar Hero. So, have you played this game a lot, or you just talk about it all? No, the time? I played it for about four hours straight when it first came out. And and you, what you just said there is exactly why my hypothesis is that so many of these games are being coded by hardcore tournament players. And if you think about it, who gets excited about 10 times X? Who gets excited about stacking multipliers? It's tournament players. But emotionally, everyone else who loves pinball is left completely unsatisfied when those are the main moments coded into these games. Right. And then, I mean, you look at somebody like Math Wars versus Jurassic Park from Stern. And, you know, Stern has, you know, like, oh, there's a dinosaur, there's a helicopter, there's a raptor pin, you know, there's ways you can interact with the story that's on the play field. And, like, really, tournaments aside, if you're playing a pinball machine and you're doing re- really well, you have no idea what your score is. No. But the game, the play field, should be giving you the feedback that you know you're kicking butt, right? Again, it's more about a feeling than a score because really, Score is like, it's like money, right? It really is meaningless, right? Like, like how much you make an hour. I know that sounds a little silly, but it's the value behind it. Like, you know, the number, it's just a number, right? So it's like, oh, you know, you got a JJP game with 10,000 points. You got a Stern game with 10 billion points. Who cares? It's like, how does the game make you feel? Are you having fun? Are you enjoying it? Is it executing the theme well? I think that's what really matters. And I, I keep, I just keep trying to, you know, I'm, I'm 45. I'm not like that young anymore, but I do think about like, okay, what, what do younger people like? And I also, you know, I'll watch like a lot of millennial YouTube channels and yeah, they're really obsessed with this world that predated them, this mechanical world. And I, that's what I want to try to accomplish. Like basically tell a story with tricks and mechanics that can also have good flow and be exciting. And then Yes, for the hardcore players, you put in deeper strategy that will make them happy. But, you know, just just for the walk up factor, there's got to be, you know, there's got to be a big. That was one thing I, I had an issue with Alien, which I Hilton had one. So I played it quite a few times is, you know, there was an alien mouth, right? It should have been like, bam, bam, bam. It grabs the ball, right? It should have been the dumb, dumb shot. Mm-hmm. But there's all this stuff you have to, you know, qualify and then it doesn't even work. Right. Uh, I don't know. That's what that's what I like about games is like you walk up to it and you just understand what to do just right. by looking at it. like it. And also, like I, I talked about this, like I, we talked about how I wanted to I thought it'd be cool to make a rampage pin. Right. Where the diegesis, there's a word for you, um, of the pinball machine fits the theme like, oh, I'm physically destroying something like a wrecking ball smashing. Right. That's why Angry Birds would have been a cool pinball. Right. Right. Well, imagine a rampage machine in which you bash the buildings and, and then they fall and down they fall into down. the yeah. Perfect. Oh, yeah. I, I was coming up with prototypes for that. Even I was going to have LCD. Like, so you have like a building, right? And you have three of them, right? And they can ratchet up to different heights. So when you go to a new city, you change the lighting of the play field. You could connect it to the internet and simulate the weather from the city. Then you, then you spawn the buildings. Like maybe this one's five stories. This one's three stories. And this one's 10. And then you're going to love this. So you have like the front of the building is actually an LCD, right? So you can draw in different like window shapes. Then you can put a different sign at the top. So like you come to this city. Oh, and the three buildings is the DMV, the IRS, and a bank. That's what you got to destroy in this city, right? And then you can animate little people like silhouettes running in the windows. Great. And then you hit the buildings and then the windows break. Like 
break, 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 all the windows are break, and then it falls down. And then the people are like, ah! And you can, you can have a hurry up once the building's about to crumble. You can see the people evacuated, and the faster you completely destroy the building before everyone evacuates would be a bonus, like a hurry up bonus. And it's all on the play field. Why aren't you making this game? Why, why aren't you doing this? Come on, Ben. Bring it to I, us. I, I mentioned it to Charlie, but Charlie is so tired of working with Warner Brothers. Right. So maybe... It, you know, maybe I should just build it on my own. Oh, and then it was going to have like kind of an ironmonger come out of the middle of play field. And that would be like, get the giant atomic monster fighting robot. You know, kind of like a play on Pacific Rim. Right. Uh, so like every three cities, you'd have to fight this monster robot. Yeah. But talking to Charlie about it, I'm like, he's like, well, why don't you just make a generic monster game? I'm like, Charlie, because if you call the game Rampage, you do not have to explain it to people. You recognize the power of theme. Every time we talk, we always talk about it. The theme moves product. It's what people yeah. want. It's what people have an emotional connection to. Yep. So, Ben, let, let's talk quickly about Led Zeppelin because that just came out. I want to get your thoughts on it. And then we're going to go through the best of 2020 and, and give okay. our picks for what we think should win in each of these categories. How does that sound? Yeah, I, I can't recall if I played every game, but I'll do the best I can. Everybody's in the same boat. It's going to be a weird year for voting for stuff because I think most people haven't jumped on every machine. So a lot of it's just going to be from what we've seen in streams and from what we've seen on Twitch and, and whatnot. So Yeah, because usually we'd see them all at shows. Absolutely. That's why I feel bad about every new game, whether it's Avengers or Guns N' Roses. There would have been thousands of people who would have played all of these games multiple times by December. Right now, it's just a few hundred. It's like 10% of the potential reach of these games. And also, like location play is dead. So you're not even getting people out in location. I know some states are open, but for the most part, barcades have been shut down for like eight, nine months. Yeah, I mean, you're probably a little biased because you're in New York and... Are more open than that? Oh, yeah, like here. It's, I mean, you have to wear a mask, but we've been pretty much open since June. Ben, let's talk about Led Zeppelin. So what did you think when Led Zeppelin was revealed? What are your thoughts on that title? Well, I didn't... I haven't played it, right? Um, my initial thought was this looks incredibly empty. So did Black Knight. Like, the non-LE version of Black Knight just looked ridiculously empty, right? I... When I saw that, I'm like, oh, so they gave him the bill of materials for the night and then nothing else. It's kind of sad. And so Led Zeppelin, it looks really empty. And then they've basically got, looks like Ironmonger, but now he's a spinner that comes out of it if you have the good version. Right. The artwork, it's obviously that, you know, style guy artwork. Like, this is what it has to be and nothing else, kind of like Game of Thrones. Which isn't really Stern's fault. I mean, I guess it's their fault if they choose to work with a license that restrictive. But, so notwithstanding... The limitations that went into the artwork, it's ugh, not, you know, it doesn't look very good. You know, at least like Supreme, there's like an aesthetic reason to make your pinball machine look like that. This was just like, ugh. yeah. Yeah, it's visually underwhelming uh, from a mechanical standpoint. I think it's also a little bit underwhelming. It's going to play fast. It's going to play like every Steve Ritchie pin. But I just think people are looking for more, especially when it's these themes like Led Zeppelin. Like once in an eternity, you're going to make a Led Zeppelin pinball machine for a band that has sold 300 million albums. And this is the best the pinball world can do to pay tribute to that band. Eh, not good enough. And then you don't have Stairway to Heaven in it. Right. And Guns N' Roses does not help their cause with that coming out just a few months earlier and showing us what a concert in a box can be. So speaking of Guns N' Roses, let's do this. Let's jump into the best of 2020. Let's first go down a list of the games, Ben, that we think are eligible for the awards this year. Does that sound good? Yeah. So Stranger Things. Stranger came out Things. In what, January. Stranger Things. We've got, let's yeah. do the stern titles first. We got Stranger Things. 
We've got yep. Ninja Turtles. Yep. We've got Heavy Metal. We've got. Oh, I forgot about that. I know everyone does. We've got Avengers, and we've mm-hmm. got Led Zeppelin. Am I missing yep. anything? I think Star Wars. The uh, what was it? The comic book came out too, but I don't know if that counts. That's four cornerstone games in one year. Yeah. Okay. So that's Stern. Then over mm-hmm. at Haggis Pinball, we have Celts, which is new this year, which also shipped this year. We have, let's see, at Chicago Gaming Company. I don't know if anything's new. I don't know if they're going to allow Medieval Madness Royal as a game this year. So I don't think that game is up for any awards. Yeah, you're right. I don't think they actually had any new launches this year. No, we've waited. We've waited and we've waited. Maybe maybe best topper. I mean, their toppers are amazing. They are amazing. Uh, you can't yep. play the topper, though. Uh, obviously, the juggernaut launched this year was Guns N' Roses from Jersey Jack Pinball. And who am I missing here? We had Hot Wheels from American Pinball. Did Rick and Morty come out this year? And yes, was? Rick and Morty from Spooky Pinball. Okay. So I think those are going to be the main ones. I don't think I'm missing anything. We're not going to count Lebowski do count, again. Do we count Raza? No, it, it hasn't shipped. But I think Raza might be eligible for stuff like artwork. I'm not sure if the game has to ship in that year. If, if we want to give Raza an award, we can. Let's just let's just play fair. We'll throw him into the ring. Is it like the Oscars where it just has to play in one theater before the last right. two weeks of the year? Right. <laughs> and, and, and studios strategically release it just in that time to be eligible. All right. Yep. So the first category is best music and sound effects in pinball. What game this year do you think had the best music and sound effects? Uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, Rick and Morty had pretty good sound and custom speech. You know, like what's his face? What's the guy's name? Justin Rowland. Mm-hmm. He did all that custom speech. I know they, I don't think they were able to use all of it because, because Warner Brothers. Oh man. It's like AT&T bought them and they went from Warner Brothers to hold my beer. It's like, well, that's a different subject. Um, yeah. I mean, Scott's games always sound amazing, right? Yeah, that would probably be pretty high on my list. I mean, Guns N' Roses, obviously, it's a really really cool concert in a box, but it is based off music that's pre-existing, so I don't know if you can necessarily say that's an accomplishment of the pinball machine itself. Yeah, I agree with you. I think this is going to be one of those categories where, obviously, studio material from Led Zeppelin and Guns N' Roses exceeds Scott Denise's ability to make music, but... But I would agree with you. I think the best music and sound effects in pinball should go to Rick and Morty because of the score in it and all the original music. And I love the sound effects that happen in all the different dimensions. And I think that studio material isn't it's kind of cheating when it comes to this category, because I think this is stuff that should be originally created for pinball. So we agree on on Rick and Morty for best music and sound effects. So the next category, best toys and gimmicks in a game. Which game, Ben, do you think has the coolest mech or something in it that's a gimmick that just wows you? The projector in Stranger Things works better than you think it would if you see it in person. Okay. Is that your pick? Well, <laughs> I just thought I would bring it up because then you open, the Demogorgon is revealed and the Demogorgon is awful. What about the UV kit, though? I mean, is that more impressive than the projector? I haven't seen it with the UV kit. Oh, wasn't that they already had UV reactive ink, which is kind of stupid because all sorts of things react to UV, you know? They probably just realized that a certain color on it reacted to UV. You know, it's like, oh, it's a hidden feature. We're so, we're thinking so far ahead of our time. Um, I'm just saying, if you play it, even in a reasonably well-lit game room, it actually works pretty well. I don't think the game itself is very good. Um, but it was an interesting innovation on Stern's part. And I think companies could do more with projection mapping and pinball in the future. Again, go to Disney World, there's projection mapping everywhere. 
Right. Okay, so are you picking that? Ooh. I'm not sure if you're picking it or just like reminding us that it happened. So this is like, well, what else came out for toys and Mac? For this one, the game that had the most toys in it, probably Ninja Turtles. If you look at all the stuff that was in the Ninja Turtle Premium NLE. Yeah. You had the spinning magnet pizza. You had the diverter. You had the the turtle van. Had a lot of toys in it. Like if you just, if this is... Yeah, yeah, but did they interact with the ball? Well, and that's the thing is is the word best is really the most interesting thing here because you could say that, man, is a is the light show in GNR a gimmick? But there is a best light show category, so I don't think people are going to vote for it in this category. I would pick Ninja Turtles for this just because of all the games that came out this year. I do think Turtles just has the most toys and gimmicks by the definition of what a toy and a gimmick is. Okay. You know, I'm going to you know, I'm going to go with Stranger Things just because I think even though obviously Obviously, Brian Eddy did not invent projection mapping. I think it was innovative to put that into a pin. I'm going to go with that, even though it's not really a toy. This is a good category. I'm curious to see what wins this year. Best theme of 2020 in pinball. Why don't you go first? Oh, I'm sure Rick and Morty will get it. I agree. I absolutely agree. I mean, people didn't see the machine. It sold out in just four hours. It's such a perfect theme for pinball. Will it win best theme integration? That's good. I don't think it's going to, but it's it's going to win the best theme though because it's original and it's the perfect theme for pinball. And I think everyone would agree with that. Okay, we agree on that one. Yeah. Best theme integration is the next one. This is like best movie, but not best director. You know. <laughs> so. Well, that's true because the best picture not. Oscar goes to the producer, not the director. Right. So what do you think the best theme integrated pin of 2020 was? Oh, I'm just trying to think. I think this is a runaway easy selection. Come on. Yeah, I'm probably going to say Guns N' Roses. It's so easy, easy when everybody's just, trying to please make I I, Absolutely. I think I've only pl- I played Avengers and Ninja Turtles once. They actually have them on location here. But that was also the same time I played Guns N' Roses for the first time. And I honestly wasn't that interested in like Avengers and Turtles. Also because they're both kind of too cartoony i mean i you know i loved the Ninja turtles when i was a kid i, I still think that the first movie holds up but i don't know i just was they were, they were both a little too cartoony for me i just kept on playing guns and roses so the guns and roses is going to go down as probably maybe the best theme integrated pinball machine of all time because slash made the game with them and i know it's a music pin there have been other great theme integrated pins but never before have we seen such access to a theme the way they had access to GNR. And so I think that's going to win hands down. All right. So we agree GNR. Are yeah. Best animations and display. Mm. Don't give it to Hot Wheels. Ugh. Well, well, does Rick and Morty have a lot of, they just use clips from the show, right? Yeah. There's, there's, there's some animated stuff going on over the show clips, but there's not a, a ton of original. What got it last year? Jurassic Park? Uh, last year, Willy Wonka won it last year. Really? It just inched out Jurassic Park by 0.03%. It got 23.6 to Jurassic Park's 23.3. Oh, I thought Jurassic Park had better presentation than Willy Wonka, at least on the screen. I yeah. mean, I mean, they had to make it all from scratch, but, well, I know you've talked about Willy Wonka's theme integration to no end. Um, <laughs> shit, I forgot. What were we talking about? What's the best animations and display? Oh, let me just think. Well, I, I like, you know what? I'm going to give it to Guns N' Roses again because I love when they take your video footage and they put you in the show, you know? They're like, oh, look, you're on stage, right? And then they take your image and they put you, if you get like a high score, they put you on a VIP pass next, next to Slash, right? Yeah. 
So it does a pretty good job of putting you in the game. I'm like the the animations in GNR, they're good. I mean, they're not like amazing, but they're all well rendered. The animation style is consistent. <laughs> American pinball. And uh, you ever notice? Is it just me or does Axl Rose now look like a younger Trump? You ever notice that? <laughs> God, kind of does. We're not. We're not uh, going to go there. I think GNR is going to win, and I'll tell you why. So I do think the animations in this game are really good. Jean, is it Jean Paul, the guy who does JJP's animations? He has a huge fan base and following. But here's the other part of this category when it comes comes to the display itself the GNR display with the HD concert footage and they don't overcrowd the screen for once finally Jersey Jack lets that big screen just sing and and it's perfect like when you stand back and watch someone play GNR it just looks mm-hmm. so good yeah, and it's got really good graphical elements. Like when you collect the band members, it's like the bullets being loaded into the revolver, and then Alex is the you know the the one in the middle. He's like the axle. Oh, right, right. <laughs> I see what they did there. You know, so yeah. Not only is it not overstuffed, but the iconography, even though it's heavily borrowed from like Guitar Hero games, it works. Right. All right. This category is going to be one that I think we're going to agree on: best callouts in a machine. Oh, Rick and Morty. Easily. No Easily, easily. I mean, it, it's it's like the most custom speech since like what Stern Spider Man, right? And also probably yeah. the funniest callouts in pinball history, hands down. Rick and Morty is going to win this. Those callouts are are some of the best elements of the game. Incredible callouts. Yeah, I think that's something people don't appreciate with Spooky. I mean. Alice Cooper himself didn't do the greatest job, which is a little weird considering he has a talk show. But yeah, I know Spooky did like, you know, we had Rob Zombie, then we got, um, yeah, we got Justin Roiland. And so they've actually done really well with like custom callouts in in games or new callouts. Well, what I love about the callouts in Rick and Morty is is how they're so tailored to pinball. They even have Lion Man jokes, and it's just such a perfect sort of bringing that property to the world of pinball and saying stuff that pinball fanatics would just find incredible. And and that's why it's so cool. All right, best light show in a game. I think this is another one that's easy winner. Yeah. <laughs> the greatest say, light show yeah. in the history of pinball, Guns and F and Roses. Well, yeah, it's Guns and Roses, obviously. Guns and, I, sorry, Scott, but Guns and Roses makes TNA look like a light bright. <laughs> Man. Well, it just, it makes everything, it makes everything look so outdated when it comes to presentation. It does. And I played it at Jack Bar and, and Ben, I'm not overhyping it, right? I mean, when you play this game in a dark room and you stand over any other of the new games out there, they look old compared to it. Especially once you get a song going. Um, I would say one caveat, you know, like the light strips on the side, which are just Neopixels. Mm Mm-hmm. In person, they tend to look a little bit more like isolated balls of light, whereas when you see it on video, it tends to smear into the lens a little bit more and look like more of an aura. Um, So that part of it might look a little less impressive in person just because of the way our eyes work versus cameras. But still, yes, um, once you get a song going, the light shows are different for every song, and the light show changes as a song goes, right? Which is, you know, especially cool in Live and Let Die because, you know, it's a McCartney song. So it's like four songs in one. Right. And it's, yeah, it just really makes you feel like you're there and it's just fun. And, you know, even though I said there's not really a lot of toys that interact with a ball, there are a lot of like diverters, gates. Uh, the symbol thing is cool. The spinner, there's a spinner under Axe, oh, not Axe, oh, Slash's hat. I love the chrome, like the chrome frets. They just look so good. Everything about it just looks like 
quality. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it's just, it's next level. And I keep telling people this until you stand over one, you're not going to understand. I'm not shilling for JJP. Nobody gives that company more crap than me over the years. But when you play, oh, yeah. <laughs> when you play GNR, and I say this, every song in that game is its own separate moment. And the way they code the lights and the experience around each track makes it like 21 different incredible moments in one game. And, and that whole toy, I mean, I mean, the whole game is the toy. The whole game is the mech. It's supposed to be like a concert going experience. And I think they knocked it out of the park. It's possible. They also dialed back on the toys a little bit because of the issues they had with pirates. You know, they probably wanted Eric to be a little bit more conservative. But yeah, again, the game it really wows you. And even stuff like, like, um, what's the one that they have down at Spooky? They have the one that has the album artwork on the sides, right? Yep. The even LA. something like, yeah, even something like that. You'd think that would be kind of normally you'd be like, oh, that's a that's not a good choice. You know, it's that's lazy art, but. In person, it looks really good, you know, yeah. like because all the all the all the uh, album covers are somewhat desaturated, so they kind of blend into the same color of the background. So it, it yeah, it just looks really good in person. Well, it has meaning too, right? The, those are the cities that Guns N' Roses went to, and those are the actual tour posters from all the different locations for Not in This Lifetime tour. And what's cool mm-hmm. about that is when you hear people who are buying this machine. They love the fact that like Detroit's represented or Australia or New York or Chicago. And and that's really cool. I mean, we haven't really seen a game that's used the official tour posters, which are so much better than like the crappy Led Zeppelin artwork. Why didn't they pull from different Led Zeppelin source material? It just kills me when I see that game. Well, there's probably more Guns N' Roses source material. No, there's way more Led Zeppelin albums than GNR. Oh. GNR is like a... But a little bit of a flash in the pan band. I mean, they only from eighty six to ninety like two was really their heyday. Yeah, and that then was he made it. Chinese democracy for fifteen years. I love Chinese democracy. All right, best rules in a pinball game, Ben. Best rules. What do you think? Oh gosh, I don't think I've played any of them deeply enough to appreciate that. You know what? Let's just go with Guns N' Roses because I like how you have to earn the song. Like you have to collect the band members, right? And they load into the gun, which is a great animation. And then it's like, okay, we've got the band together. Now we can play the song, right? So you don't just randomly get the song and hear it play in the background. It's something you had to build up to. It is kind of weird how you can fail. You can kind of, you can basically guitar hero it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I would say sometimes the light show works against actually knowing what target to hit. You know, because everything is going like blah, 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 like bonkers. And it's like, what inserts am I actually supposed to hit? And they do. You can tell, but it's a little harder to, like, you know, discern in your periphery because of all the right uh, commotion going on. Uh, but I love that you just told us what your pick was for best. And then you went off on all the things that are wrong with it. Uh, well, here's the thing. I think rule sets hard, right? Because most people haven't played most of these games. I Enough. hear good things about the Avengers rule set, but then again, it's like a 24-page rule set book. Are people going to vote for something that complex? I do love the simplicity of GNR and Rick and Morty's rule sets. I like both of those rule sets for their simplicity and the, the ease of understanding what to do. Collect the band members, start a song, you're in this amazing moment. Go on adventures with Rick and Morty, right? Like fill up Morty's yeah. adventure card. I love that it's that simple to understand how to play that game. You know, I know it came out last year, but the new Elvira game is really good. I think it's kind of like, kind of forgotten, but it's, well, of course, I like. It's a Lyman Sheets game. All of his games are good.
Yeah, I know that's off topic. But <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, if you want to talk about last year's game, we'll do another show. All right, best artwork in a pinball machine. And I'm skipping over favorite pinball podcast because that's the most dramatic category, it feels like, every year. Come oh, on. Oh, best artwork. Well, they have so many gosh darn packages this year. I guess whatever package has... Oh, my neighbor has a chimney. I'm kind of jealous. Let's see. Best artwork. I'm just trying to think. I mean, Yeti's got his fan base with Turtles and with Avengers. Well, I guess subjective, subjectively, I, you know, I'm not, I, you know, I, I'm, I have nothing against, you know, cartoons or animation, but for a pinball machine, honestly, doesn't really do it for me, even though, well, the Rick and, well, ah, Rick and Morty's artwork is cool, but it's not, well, it was all done by Cartoon Swim, like Spooky had basically, no, car, did I say Cartoon Swim? <laughs> it was all done by Cartoon Network, so they didn't really have any choice. It, it, it looks cool, but it's not, you know. Jeremy does a better job of filling the frame, you know, with action. Right. right? So what do you think? What do you think? Not Hot Wheels. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, shoot. You think it's going to go to a Yeti game? It probably will. What, what about GNR that, art? Do you think it stands a chance? Or is that standard cabinet going to be what sinks it? The playfield on GNR is pretty good. They turn everyone into skeletons so you don't see how much weight Axel Rose has gained. But... Yeah, but I think the overall package, like the cabinets, might hurt GNR. I, I, if we're trying to predict what's going to win, I would say probably a Jeremy game, but I don't know which one I'd actually say is the best artwork. I'm going to say Avengers wins over Turtles, uh, just because I don't know why. I don't even have an answer why. It's going to be one of those. I think it's going to be a coin toss, but I think Jeremy Packer will be hoisting up the trophy. And I think what hurts GNR, and, and I love Dale, I believe it's Dale Henry Jr., his artwork on the playfield of GNR, I think is the nicest, most detailed playfield, uh, and it fits perfectly with the theme of the world tour of GNR. The problem is, is there's so many artists on the GNR package, you don't know who you're voting for because you've mm, got the tour yeah. poster art, you've got the standard cabinet, you've got the appetite for destruction stuff. So it's like, it does feel like three different design directions where Yeti stuff is so much more cohesive and all feels like it's coming from one man. Right. One man who has to do a whole lot of artwork for Stern. Right. <laughs> Best play field, gameplay, and layout. Like how it shoots, huh? Yep. I'm trying to think. I mean, you know, this man wins every year. Who, Steve Ritchie? No, Keith Elwin. Oh, did, but wait. But Avengers. He a, oh, right. God. He's, a, he's the new Dr. Flash, except for he's not in prison. <laughs> you know, I, gosh, I... I only played it once. I Okay, well, if you say so, I, yeah, since I haven't played Avengers enough, I'm going to have to take a mulligan on this one. I haven't played it either. I just, I, if I were to pick a winner, and last year, Jurassic Park, right, won mm -mm. with 53.6% of the votes. The, the second place was Wonka with 18%. So I think Keith Elwin, whenever he's up for best layout, is going to win for, for the rest of eternity. Oh, Jurassic Park was really good. Um, there's no doubt about that. Right. Yes. Okay. So game of the year, where's designer of the year? Hold on. We missed that. So who, who is designer of the year? I think that that has to be a category. I don't know why it's not up here. I can see that going to GNR and Eric. Um, I think a lot of, it's kind of like, well, it's not as politicized and I, I don't mean that like Republicans and Democrats, you know, like how the Oscar thing is like, well, Martin Scorsese, this wasn't your best movie, but we're going to give you an Oscar for it because you never got one before. You know, like Departed. Right. Um, I could see like, you know, you know, everyone knows Eric kind of got 
I don't want to say screwed on Pirates, but that game was not allowed to reach its full potential. I don't know if designer is a separate category. Here's why I think layout should go to Elwin, but best designer I do think should go to Eric Minier because it's a design choice to make that game what they did. It's a design choice to have all those instruments be represented. It's a design choice to make the game itself a concert in a box. Like it's almost like a designer's a movie director and he directed Guns N' Roses pinball to be this way. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say Guns N' Roses is like the best shooting game ever. I mean, it shoots fine, but there's certainly games that have better flow and, and whatnot. But again, stern games tend to be emptier with, you know, shots near the back more. And so just as, as a game, as a package, well, as I mentioned, like, you know, I've just gotten back from a road trip and yeah, we went to Blue Moon Saloon or whatever it's called. And they had Turtles, Guns N' Roses and Avengers. And the only one I wanted to play more than once was Guns N' Roses because I'm like, eh. you know, like I, I see the Avengers got like comic book art. I'm like, I don't care about that. Right, I mean, right. I know that's not a, that's not critiquing the game itself, but it's like what draws you to a game. So Yeah, I mean, we're grown adults, and I don't think most grown men want Ninja Turtles as opposed to more mature themes like GNR and The Matrix and Terminator, and you can go down a list. Lebowski, yeah. we're grown men. How well, grown unless, men? Unless, they had a, unless they had Transformers G1. Well, yes, yes. But that's almost different because it's, it's, like, it's like cars, you know? It's like more masculine. Yeah, Transformers has remained an adult property over the years. Ninja Turtles has not, and mm-hmm. it's always been just for kids. All right, yeah. so game of the year, the moment in which all of the prestigiousness of the Twippy Awards sweeps the globe, millions of people not tuning in. What wins game of the year? Well, it's probably going to be a toss-up. Well, maybe not a toss-up. It's probably going to be Infinity War, Infinity Quest, whatever it's called, versus GNR. Again, I even I've only played it once. I know people were just like creaming themselves over it on Pinside when it was released, but I don't know. I I guess I should have gone over to Blue Moon and played it some more before we did this podcast. Just like from what's in it, though, I mean, I think Guns N' Roses is a lot more interesting. You yeah. know, it's like it's actually the band members talking, not you know fake Tony Stark or whatever. If we define game of the year as the pinball game that really made the largest impact on pinball and brought pinball forward and raised the bar, right? And showed us a new thing in pinball we have never seen before. I don't know how you don't vote for Guns N' Roses. And I know that Jurassic Park won last year and that was an Elwin game. And I still hear people say that Jurassic Park is better than Avengers. And I think Avengers was a little bit of a rushed effort over at Stern. And and I heard rumors about that. And not that it's taking anything away from the game. But there's nothing about Avengers that really feels like it took pinball forward. That it created a new way to look at this incredible hobby of ours. And I think GNR has transcended pinball in a lot of ways and has elevated yeah. pinball to a new level. Yeah, if you, look at, if you look at Avengers, it has that really cool like captain marvel black widow ramp thing or whatever you know that that's really cool where it goes up and then i guess there's balls into the play field but you know even compared to jurassic park it's like okay well what what's in it you know but jurassic park had like the fake jeep and the dinosaur head you know just like from a even if you hadn't played it from a surface level it looks like there's more there right um also again you're right avenger i i heard it was like six months or something ridiculous like they just my new criteria for the game that should also win game of the year, obviously should be the most fun. I can hear Ed Robertson beating me in the head saying, it's all about the fun, Chris. 
But I think it should be the game that has the greatest moments in pinball that makes you feel something. And if we were to look at the games, I sh- I think that should be a category. What's the best moment, best moment in a yeah. pinball machine? Like, That's such a more meaningful thing to sort of highlight than favorite pinball location, favorite pinball podcast, favorite pinball streamer, favorite pinball. Th- like, what's the best moment? What was yeah. the best moment in a pinball machine? What was, you know, that deserves like, to be up like, there. It's like the, it's the movie equivalent of Superman catching the helicopter, you know? Yeah, because um, yeah, you think about that. Like, if you look at the 90s, you had, uh, you had like, you know, Attack from Mars is like, boom, 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 right? Or the castle, same thing. I mean, yeah. they're basically the same game, don't tell anyone. But those were like moments like, yeah, you're like, you knew it was coming, you're right? It was like Pavlov's dog, you know it's coming and you want to see it and then, you know, you're rewarded. Like there's the there's the uh, what's they call what's that thing in your brain that and endorphin hit. It's going to be an interesting year because the other thing though, and this is where I think it could swing towards Avengers, is Jersey Jack is so slow on getting these games to consumers, and it's like half of the people who bought this game are also really frustrated with Jersey Jack for making them wait so long, and the collector's edition owners don't even know when they're getting them. And by the time voting is over, there will be ten times more Avengers in households than GNRs. So if this is just a vote. I worry that GNR, even though it should be game of the year, might just be outvoted because there's not that many out there. Yeah, and there's certainly yeah, I mean that that is possible. A lot of people, a lot of people would be having to go off as much faith for Guns and Roses, ironically, as we are going with Avengers because you know we didn't really care for Avengers, but we both played Guns and Roses a decent amount. So right, yeah, I I could see that. It's like it's like not what's best, but what you know. This is Eric's year, though, and it should be Eric's year, and we should recognize Eric this year because we've recognized Elwin a lot. We've but Eric just made a game that I just don't think we're going to see a game like this in a very long time. Ben, anything else you want to talk about before I let you go? I know you have to jet pretty soon, but thank you for joining the show. It's always a pleasure. Oh, um, well, I, I hope to have really good theme integration with my game. That's my goal. Well, don't mess it up. I'll try not to. Do you want me to <laughs> sign an NDA and give you some, uh, you know, some some tips on some things we could do? I would love to work on a game. No one wants to talk to me. Why is that? I don't know. I mean, you're kind of <laughs> abrasive. What, what abrasive? Where? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. When it comes to like rule stuff. I'll hit you up. I'll probably hit Hilton up as well. Hilton's, even though Hilton is also annoying. It would be amazing if Hilton and I coded a game with you. I mean, imagine us, two men who can't see eye to eye on anything, come together to solve (laughs) the quagmire of pinball moments. Yeah, I'd be like Israel and Palestine, you know, shaking hands. <laughs> yeah, I know, it'd be great. I mean, I used to have a Subaru. We could bond, we could start there, and then we could we could go on and talk about pinball. Hey, his Subaru, I mean, yeah, I know. You probably don't like it because it's a station wagon, but it is a nice, you know, for what it is, it's nice. I mean, I have a station wagon. I'm going to be in a station wagon very soon when the baby comes. Oh, that's right, but then you, you can also fit a pinball machine in it. You're going to love it, I tell you. Man, I, that thread on Pinside, will a pinball machine fit in it? It's like, stop. All you guys, stop. There's like, there's something called a tape measure. Well, it's not just the size of the opening. It's also the, the shape. Like, you can get like one of those Chrysler Pacificas, and you'd think you can fit a pinball machine in the back, but the tailgate is so rounded at the top, you actually can't. Right. Right? But then you have something like a little Honda Fit, and you... You wouldn't think it, but then it can fit it. So, I mean, I don't know. I think there's some validity to question it. That goes beyond a tape measure. In 2021, will people be saying, will it fit a pin pod in it? <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Will a pin pod fit in a door fit through a doorway? <laughs> I'm ordering a pin pod and converting it into a podcasting studio for myself. It's gonna be amazing. You could rent it out as a New York apartment for three thousand dollars. That's amazing. That's amazing. I, I think the pin, I think the pin pod's kind of cool, but it's way overpriced. And I mean, I like the idea of recyclable, a reusable shipping. But Ben, always a pleasure. It has been one heck of a year, and we look forward to talking to you again in 2021. So thank you for taking some time to talk to the listeners and giving your predictions for the best games of 2020. All right, I guess we'll see y'all next year. All righty. Won't you come?